right, welcome to EM Talks Cast, another podcast. Woohoo! We're banging out podcasts today like crazy, like we're some kind of like podcast machine. So anyway, we're here in our studio with uh, Mike Pasterstein, again, becoming one of my favorite podcast partners. Thank you, thank you. And we're joined by three of our fabulous residents. I'm Dina. I'm Sarah. And I'm Bree. And uh, if you haven't guessed already, they are nothing but trouble. <laughs> in, but the, in the perfect way. In the perfect way. No, yeah, yeah. So, um, no, they are a part of our brilliant crew here, and we have them here and talking about headache. And we were just saying that the problem with headache is that once you figure out what kind of headache it is, you generally know exactly what to do. Figuring out what kind of headache it is is the real challenge and getting to what I would call a level of diagnostic confidence with that is really difficult. So Mike has broken it down for us into um, initial actions, primary survey, secondary survey, um, some particulars about history, some particulars about exam, and the ever-present differential diagnosis, which in my show notes takes an entire page. So that shows you kind of what, how big the problem is and how hard it is to sort of chunk it out. So it is, without uh, further ado. Yeah, it is such a challenge to figure out what the cause of this is that it could, you know, create your own headache. So what's the priority? You walk in a room uh, and you're trying to, you know, you looked at your watch, you're like, wow, 12-minute encounter, go. <laughs> what's the priority when you're, when you're diving in like this? As with everything in emergency medicine, it is assessing ABCs and uh, diving right into the primary survey. What do you guys do? You walk in a room with a headache patient. What's the first thought that runs into your mind? Other I, than I have a headache. A hashtag headache. <laughs> I, I actually will walk past the room and kind of look at them because if they're on their cell phone eating Doritos, I'm not as concerned. But if they're in there and it's dark and they've got okay. the blanket over their head, then I, I take them a little I, more seriously. I have a name for that. That's called the drive-by. Yeah. Right? So the drive-by is part of the primary survey, I would say. Right? So what are you looking at in a drive-by? What you just described, Dina, is what we're looking for is uh, just gross deficits, right? Mm -hmm. If they're talking, that's one type of person. If they're completely unresponsive, it's another. Mm -hmm. Mike, what else would you put in the drive-by survey, a.k.a. primary survey, I suppose? <laughs> yeah. So in the primary survey, really, uh, just a brief assessment uh, of their gross neurologic deficit. Um, so not only are they eating, but are they able to tolerate whatever their Doritos they, they might be chowing down on. Um, do they have a large, gross um, neurologic uh, problem? Um, and, uh, or are they just kind of chilling? Right, so you're looking for, do I, do I need to intervene in this person? Like you're immediately setting, like what's my time frame for action when I do, you do your drive-by? And if the drive-by, you're not that excited, you just keep driving by, frankly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Somebody else will pick up that chart. Yeah, throw some Tylenol at them. <laughs> That's important to do because when you're going to get multiple case encounters or, you know, knowing which headache is the, um, is the one you really need to get a little uh, excited about is, is key. And I think the vitals are another thing you kind of notice on your drive-by. Someone with a fever, I'm more likely to rush into the room. I'm a little more concerned, fever and headache. Right. Uh, sheet over the head, not sh sheet not over the head. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I have a feeling like maybe that would be the Hamilton sign. <laughs> that's a, that's that, a new vital sign. Yeah, if you if you got the sheet over your head, you've got your you've got yourself in a state of mind where you're like, yeah, I just I just want to be here and not be bothered. Yeah. It generally to me always points to folks who are either um, don't have a serious headache or have photophobia. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're either really ill or, or really not, not ill. Yeah, really exactly. ill at all. Yeah. Cool. You're so what about a uh, secondary survey? What? Uh, so you actually have to go into the room, Dina. What oh, boy. <laughs> I actually didn't reach that part of residency. <laughs> so uh, onset of headache. Uh, nice. Has it been going on for the last couple of days gradually starting, or was it, it came out of nowhere? Recently had a, a, a guy who was weightlifting, and as he squatted, felt a sudden headache, which is a little more alarming. Yeah. Whoops. That's no good. Yeah. Yeah. Have they ever had this headache before? If they get migraines and it's yes. a classic migraine, this is always my symptoms, I'm not as concerned. Um, if they do get migraines though, but these are new symptoms, I'm a little worried. Have they never had a headache before? Then I'm, I'm more concerned. Gotcha. I, I feel the same way that um, a headache history is a separate history in and of itself. And I also go beyond this headache. I really actually start looking at Tell me about all your headaches. Like, when did you start having headaches? Um, you know, were you an adolescent when you started having headaches? When did your headaches start doing things like disrupting your sleep? Right? Is this your first visit for to the ED for a headache? How often do you get headaches? Exactly. And also, how, how kind of how people describe it too? Because I have a lot of people who say I have migraines, blah blah blah, but they've never actually been diagnosed formally by a doctor with migraines. They just kind right. of classify migraines as a headache when migraines equal bad headache right, right and may not necessarily actually you know have been formally diagnosed and so you know really asking a patient have you ever been diagnosed by a doctor with migraines mm -hmm. they found mm -hmm. out yeah and then even with that what kind of doctor mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's right. also pretty telling for example how did the doctor achieve the diagnosis like mm -hmm. was it just an office visit was there imaging involved mm -hmm. Um, you know, other things will make you a little bit more confident. And yeah, if it's a uh, neurologist special, specializing in migraine, yeah, you can probably feel pretty comfortable. It's probably a migraine patient. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, other things, Mike, um, uh, um, other factors, symptoms, what, what should we be looking at? So we're looking in particular to see if there's a history of a fever, neck pain, stiffness, uh, any amount of photophobia, numbness or weakness, or any paresthesias maybe. Um, and then uh, if the patient is offering any information about changes in vision or speech or their own gait or whether they have any nausea or mm -hmm. vomiting. Yeah, do you find that change in vision is kind of a, uh, shall we say, blurry issue for patients? Like they have a hard time describing it? Absolutely. And so it, it can be difficult to really assess uh, severity to that. Uh, when so many patients just say, oh, I have blurry vision with any mm -hmm. amount of chief complaints. But I think taken in the right setting, so if it's unilateral blurry vision, if this is a, a sudden change in vision associated with a headache, um, then I think there really is some uh, diagnostic benefit. Absolutely. Their monocular vision changes are very helpful in pointing out the etiology of of, uh, of things like migraine or what have you. The other thing I will point out is that patients often have scotoma and they, um, or fortification spectra and photopsia, and they feel a little funny saying, like, I see a zigzaggy line, you know, and so they'll say, well, I have blurry vision or I'm seeing, you know, spots or something. But 
Um, one little tip I will have is patients describe a visual change, have them draw it for you. And it's amazing they'll actually draw the fortification, the zigzaggy lines mm -hmm. or shooting stars and type of things. So you're going to bang out a standard review of systems, obviously. Uh, you're going to go over the uh, prior history of headaches uh, and um, other issues, treatments they've uh, already tried. Yeah, so that's one of my favorite questions to ask. What have you already tried to help uh, with the headache? Uh, because as Dina mentioned before, maybe all they need is Tylenol. If they haven't even tried that yet, that might be a reasonable yeah, first line Yeah, it's not a reasonable start in that, that regard. Also, um, any recent trauma, um, a lot of people come in, I'm having a really bad headache. Well, what happened? Oh, well, a box of bricks fell on my head. Right. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> since I got hit with that bat, I've been having bad headaches. Oh, or a uh, pallet of pineapples. Mm -hmm. uh, really? I had that uh, patient a couple weeks ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Italian market, For, South Philly. Uh, off <laughs> of the back of a truck. So oh. it was a seven-foot-high tall pallet off of a four-foot-high truck so I that person had a headache, headache. absolutely <laughs> absolutely uh other quick hits are things looking for like um, carbon monoxide poisoning right there are a couple of history tips you can get to sort of sneak into that we did some research here that showed that when it's cold out that's a good one uh if there are storms and people are using generators other things that can tip you off to co poisoning family. yeah family yeah. Even pets. I mean, if the dog's kind of sleeping around and not acting mm -hmm. like himself, I mean. Sure. That is a great, great question to ask about pets because yeah. many people live by themselves. Yeah. But they have pets. Yeah. Whenever you see multiple people with the same complaint, you always think uh, air, water, and food, right? Mm -hmm. So um, did you, you know, like GI, right? So did you eat the same things? Did you drink the same things? Headache, three people with a headache, you think. Is there something in the air? Right. Uh, so CO would be a good one. There's that board, the board question of cherry skin. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys right. actually seen that in real life. I think by that time they're they're pretty much I, dead. I, I definitely <laughs> have seen that in the morgue. Yeah. Um, and the CO poison patient looks pink, but you know I've never seen it where I can say appreciably like, oh, this patient is like excessively pink. Um, and there's a good reason for that, and that is that um, your uh, with CO poison, your pulse ox will look the same. So your eye gets the same read off of the skin. So, um, yeah, they only look pink in the morgue is, is the, is the go-by on that answer there. So do you have to do a neuro exam? I mean, really? Can't you just, isn't it mostly history, Mike? Well, I, I think it's uh, pretty tough to not do a thorough neuro exam on All right, a patient so with a headache. Uh, All right. Yeah. Because I was hoping to just do a history drive-by, but I guess you got to do a complete physical. <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's a little wishful thinking. Um, but certainly uh, any, any proper physical exam on someone with a headache must include a, a thorough neuro exam. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the, you know, the obvious things looking at motor and sensory function, cranial nerves, reflexes, pronator drift, rapid alternating movements, all the fun stuff with a neuro yeah. exam. So I find that emergency medicine physicians are outstanding at what I will call functional neuro exams, right? You're sitting there typing away, and you see the nurse brings the patient into C2, right? And you're like, oh, something's wrong with that guy, mm -hmm. right? Because you see they're walking funny or what have you. Um, and then trying to quantify that with a very focused neuro exam, uh, maybe the neurology resident does a better job with some of those you know, 30 minute type neuro exams. So I always say key is that functional neuro exam. Does the patient walk? Are they able, you know, did they show the coordination of speech, you know, attention, et cetera? 
they're the great clues that um, you're you're um, hitting on things. Have you guys ever experienced a patient where you're like found a surprise deficit on a neuro exam? I have, yeah. I mean, I think, especially, I think what's really important is getting the patient up and walking them. Like, if you didn't see them walk into the room, I think it's something that maybe a lot of med students and first-year interns don't really do a lot, but then as you get more experience, you realize how important that is. Like you said, the functional neuro exam. Get them out of bed. Walk them. Do the Romberg. I mean, I have found the surprise Romberg. I thought a patient, everything else was normal. Totally fine. Got up, stood her up, put her arms up in the air, and just started keeling over, Fell basically over like had a tree. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think that some of the difficulties with an isolated in-the-bed neuro exam uh, are that you don't get the global picture, and uh, I have found the same thing. It's like, all right, well, let's get you up and walk, and like, whoops, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Other things, pupil exams. Pupil exam, big and headache, right? so important. L- just looking for asymmetric pupils. Uh, looking to see if there's a uh, change in uh, in pupils when the lights are on or off, not to mention just a flashlight, really doing a good assessment for acute angle glaucoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a review, that's the minimally reactive mid-dilated pupil. Which, right you are. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it can be tough in, in the emergency department uh, to do a good fundoscopic exam. Oh no, don't But say we it. need to do a good fundoscopic exam. Use the ultrasound. Yeah, that's what I think, ultrasound. Ultrasound all the way. Okay, well. Well, you can't see, well, you see the optic nerve, but you know, the vessels yeah. less. Well, you at least look for increased ICP, but I think that's another thing that just takes doing it on lots of patients, lots of experience, keep practicing it, because you know, the first five to 10 times, you're not gonna see a lot, but then as I found myself, keep doing it on every single patient, then you really get a good feel. Yeah, and having done it three times, I'm not up to your five to 10, so <laughs> <laughs> I get the old light out and just look in the back. <laughs> right, but you know, it, it just uh, um, uh, reiterates or reinforces that practice, 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 and, and you get good at doing any exam. Absolutely. How about palpation, feel the headache? What are you looking for there? Unilateral pain, you're, you get signs of temporal arthritis. Um, fortunately, I find that a lot of patients will scream of pain even when it's not temporal arthritis, but it's definitely a good clue that you, you can get, send a sed rate and help kind of guide your physical Right, exam right. And what are you guys. expecting with the pulse? So you say, huh, I feel pain over the temporal artery. What are you expecting to find with the pulse? It's more prominent. No, the opposite. Less prominent? Just generally <laughs> diminished, which is a little, everyone's surprised. Like, oh, wow, it's a painful, bounding pulse. Well, when you think about arteritis, puffy, swollen artery, it's going to, the pulse will be generally diminished. So um, it, it's almost counterintuitive. You're feeling for the pulse. You can't exactly find it, but you have this tender spot right where it should be. Boom. That's the one where you're thinking temporal arteritis. And you're right, though. They are very, when you touch one of those, they go, oh, you know, that's this, mm-hmm. they hit a spot. The, you know, one, one of the exam findings that you might have is to not palpate over the temporal area and say, oh, does it hurt here, to then gauge whether, you know, right. it's truly over mm-hmm. the temporal mm-hmm. region. And also, um, when you're palpating, make sure you're palpating the neck. You want to make sure that there's no tenderness over the neck at all. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. Plenty of a cervical, upper cervical uh, discs generally produce a lot of occipital type of headaches, and so including a good neck exam, including range of motion, looking for radicular signs. Well, the dreaded differential diagnoses. Oh, boy. So we've already talked about many of them. So there are common causes. Uh, the most 
you know, typical would be a tension headache. Oh, we, I think I have one right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What and, you don't know is Bree is living in a construction site. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then migraine headaches. Uh, again, we already discussed whether the patient truly has a properly diagnosed migraine history. Mm-hmm. And you can make the diagnosis at bedside if you follow the international headache classifications and you know get a right constellation of symptoms signs and symptoms and you get a headache history that goes back to you know more than this last headache if somebody's had it for five six years um, uh, to diagnose migraine and sometimes without even doing much imaging to be truthful what's the, the you know so when I was a resident uh, my sort of naive approach to headache was like I only care about the emergencies, right? So mm. there's two approaches. Is like you can either say, uh, well, I want to figure out what most people have, or you can say, I just want to make sure I never miss a... So what are the ones we're, we're afraid to miss uh, for obvious reasons? Well... Subarachnoid hemorrhage. Yeah, right? That's what right. we all live in dread of, like, ah. We could spend two hours on the literature of CT, LP, the time frame, and what have you. In fact, some of our recent journal clubs have looked at that, but... Is it too soon to make a headache joke about that? Never too soon Never for too a headache soon. joke, okay, okay, okay. Absolutely subarachnoid hemorrhage, but really any blood in the brain. So especially in the setting of trauma, uh, epidural hemorrhage or uh, subdural. Uh, and then, again, any just intracranial blood in the brain would cause a pretty bad headache. Cool. So let's go around the table and bang out. Everybody just bang out one of these differentials. We'll count them out. So I'll start. Tension. Uh, migraine headache. Uh, fever-associated headaches. Uh, sinusitis. Uh, TMJ, like temporal mandibular joint disease. Correct. Cluster. Trigeminal neuralgia. Let's go back to subarachnoid hemorrhage. And epidural hemorrhage. And the subdural hemorrhage. Intracranial hemorrhage. Strokes, especially uh, ischemic strokes, can uncommonly present with a headache. Yeah, pretty rare, but a bloody stroke for sure. Mm-hmm. You got our CNS infections, your meningitis, encephalitis, um, any abscesses or any masses that could cause increased intracranial pressure or anything else that can raise your ICP. And uh, the idiopathic intracranial hypertension, which uh, I initially learned as pseudotumor cerebri, but right. they're moving away from that term. IIH now is the new term. Venous thrombosis. Carbon monoxide poisoning. Acute angle closure glaucoma. And temporal arteritis. There you go. What do you count, 19? No wonder headaches are such a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> All right, great. Well, that's sort of like the quick go-by, uh, starting with the drive-by, the primary survey, see what you got, do the secondary survey, get into some of the specifics, look for some history clues that really kind of like, boom, hit you uh, real quick with some obvious things like CO poisoning or what have you, and then dive into the roughly 19-plus things that can cause headaches. Yeah, and uh, of course, in emergency medicine, we have to consider the emergencies and any appropriate interventions. That's what we care about. That's what we do. <laughs> all right, thanks. Appreciate all the uh, all the input. Time thanks, for guys. some Tylenol. Yeah, time for some Tylenol. <laughs> and somebody get three like extra strength. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks. We'll talk to you again.